T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. The Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet is gearing up to present the IE Dance Festival at the Ukiper Performing Arts Center this Saturday, August 14th, featuring workshops, performances, dance films, and vendors. Here to tell us more is Jamie Sachs, founding artistic director and president of the Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Jamie, start by telling us a little about yourself, your dance bio, if you will. Okay, yes, awesome. I started dancing at the age of three as a form of physical therapy that my grandmother put me in. Once I heard the music, I started moving. I wasn't able to walk, actually. I was born prematurely, so it, you know, it's a pretty interesting story. From there, I was put into different dance classes, and my favorite was always ballet. So I started becoming more serious about it, so much so that I would even do homeschooling to dance full-time. And I grew up dancing at the Fine Arts Academy in Diamond Bar, and And it just grew from there. I had a lot of friends who were a little bit older who were dancers as well, and they were getting involved in choreographing for larger productions. And so I would kind of tag along, and I was actually hired to assist on a lot of different concerts, events, world tours, everything. So it was something I always loved to do. I was fortunate enough to take many workshops and master's classes and different training all over the country. And I ended up making a career out of it. I danced with the Hawaii State Ballet. I danced in school at UCLA, Chaminade University of Honolulu. I moved back home to California and started dancing with Inland Dance Academy and opened my own studio 15 years ago, which is the Inland Empire Dance Center. And you also have a background in Pilates and kinesiology. Yes, I do. I um, studied, well, I took Pilates pretty much for about 10, 15 years. I was taking yoga and it just didn't work for me. I didn't care too much for it. And everyone's like, come on, you're a dancer. You've got to try Pilates. (laughs) Fine, I'll try it. So I tried it, fell in love with it, just absolutely loved it. And it just, you know, grew from there. In school, I actually studied kinesiology. I majored in kinesiology when I was at UCLA, sports medicine, physical therapy, anything that had to do with movement, it, it resonated with me as a dancer. And I was able to use the knowledge of the human body and the way it moved in my training, as well as becoming a teacher 
sure I'm able to pass that on to students and train in an injury-free method. And tell us about these two companies that you run, Inland Empire Dance Center and Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet. Okay, absolutely. Inland Empire Dance Center, we just celebrated our 15th anniversary. It actually was called Bowen Hayes School of the Arts, and it was named after both of my grandmothers. That's both of their maiden names. And I just wanted to revamp that. I want to say it was in, yes, 2010 when we started the nonprofit Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet. And that is where we do our very large productions like the Nutcracker, Cinderella, Coppelia, different ballets, uh, Firebird, things like that. And we have that division go nonprofit. And we started offering scholarships to kids who couldn't afford it because I see a lot of children that are just you know told to be quiet or have a seat or you know something's wrong with them and I can always spot it and I tell people even people I would run into in the store I'm like have you tried putting them in dance and not even trying to promote my own place you know this would be even in different states and I never thought about it like yeah I think you have a dancer on your hands we're different (laughs) we're a different breed so I've always been able to kind of call that out and so I started that and it just kind of grew from there. We did a um, partnership with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, and we started doing a performance of Dancing for a Cure every October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we would donate proceeds to them for many years. We were located in Grand Terrace, and then we moved to Riverside to a much larger facility. And as our program started getting larger, I wanted to rebrand everything and so connect it all together. So everything kind of absorbed into this Inland Empire empire, if you will. So everything that we do has Inland Empire attached to it. And you do a lot of outreach, it sounds like. Absolutely. We do an awful lot of outreach. Pretty much all of our students that attend our academy portion of our ballet company are there on scholarship. And we just request that they come to class and follow directions. And, you know, it takes a lot of discipline. We do require them to see on top of their studies. The parents absolutely love it because they'll call. We've become a huge family. Throughout the years, they'll call me. Miss Jamie, oh my goodness, my son or my daughter, talk to them. And, you know, and the kids really love dance. So I'll talk to them and tell them, you know, this is an honor to have this. This is a privilege. So, but you still need to focus on your schoolwork. And how are the scholarships funded? The scholarships are funded through small donations, grants, my husband and I, (laughs) anything different shows that we're doing, foundations, we're constantly looking and applying and putting the word out there to keep, you know, the funding coming so we can continue our program. And it seems to me that most classical ballet schools have their students take, depending on how old they are and how serious they are about their training, between like one and four ballet classes every day. And then maybe they would take like jazz or modern or tap once or twice a week. Does your school focus on any one discipline or is there a range? There is a very wide range because we do offer tap, jazz, hip hop, contemporary, lyrical, musical theater. We're pretty much all over the map with all of the mainstream dances. And so what I have done is I want the kids 
kids to be well-rounded. So the ones who are there on scholarships, no one else in the studio knows except for, you know, myself, the board of directors, the admin. We know who's on scholarship, and I always offer it to them. You know, I see you're here instead of just sitting here waiting on your parents to pick you up or something, or you're waiting for your class to start. Why don't you go and take a tap class, or why don't you jump into the jazz class? So pretty much all of the kids that are there on scholarship, they're very well-rounded. They take everything. It's very rare. I think we've had one in the past 10 to 15 years that said, no, I just want to do ballet. I'm not interested in anything else. But the rest of them, they have absolutely loved it. And they're very well-rounded now. And how did COVID affect your school and your students? How did you have to pivot? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Did we pivot ever? (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of pivoting going on. It was devastating. It was scary. But we worked through it. Uh, Of course, you had the initial shock that everyone had that everything, you know, we're just staying home. And as a dancer, that's like the worst thing you could tell us. It's like, what do you mean I'm staying home? I have to move around. Like, I'm going to bounce off the walls. So I immediately took a spring break. The timing was good because we were going on spring break anyway. So I just sent a message to everyone. We're going on spring break. And stay by your emails. And so I signed up for Zoom. I contacted all of my instructors, asked everyone who is comfortable with teaching online, and we can make this work. And so we just completely revamped the schedule and moved everything to online. The kids who are there on scholarships, they do come from very low income homes. And so that was our biggest focus and our worry was you know a lot of these kids they don't even have shoes we have to purchase their shoes Mm -hmm. so um the city of riverside was giving out grants you had to apply obviously and we qualified for one and so i was able to use the funding from the grants to get the proper shoes the proper portable floors ballet bars and i surprised all of the kids and i just purchased them and had them shipped to their house and I never said who it was from I just always signed it your fairy dance mother and they all knew it was so funny because I was just waiting and to see if anyone would figure out who it was and I throughout the week would start getting text messages oh my god miss jamie i know this was you thank you so much (laughs) so that's what we did and it actually worked out very well in fact we had some amazing opportunities because as you know with dance everyone kind of knows everyone and it's Mm -hmm. a very small world and i have a friend of mine he and his wife they actually own a company in australia and so he contacted me and he said we have a contact in china And they have a contact in London. So we were thinking if we worked out a schedule, we can each teach one week and have all of our students train with us. And we think that the kids would absolutely love it. And I jumped at the opportunity. I'm like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? This is an opportunity of a lifetime. And it was a lot of fun. The very first class was taught by the Australian company. And as soon as all of the kids signed on, everyone was just, oh, my gosh, you have an accent. And it was so funny <laughs> because it was coming towards, you know, my students, the American kids. And they were like, we don't 
have an accent. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a lot of fun, and the parents really appreciated it. And so we were able to make the best of it and have different opportunities that you normally wouldn't have. And right. I know my daughter, she was taking some of the classes as well, and she was able to make a pen pal friend with one of the girls she was taking ballet with in uh-huh. Australia. And they still keep in contact with each other. They send each other letters, and it's super cute. That is so fun. It is. It is. So that's another connection that they've made throughout the dance world. And they invited us to come to in person when, you know, things calm down a bit and get back to normal. And we would be more than honored to go visit out there. So, yeah. That's amazing. I'm speaking with Jamie Sachs, founding artistic director and president of the Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet. Have any of your students gone on to professional careers in dance? Yes, actually, I've had quite a few. They've gone on to professional teaching careers, actually. I have one former student who went on. I'm so proud of her. She actually was the youngest child soloist at the Crystal Cathedral when they had the Glory of Christmas. Wow. And she went on to dance with the Alvin Ailey Company. She was the youngest in their company. She's still in New York. She just graduated with a master's in dance, and she's now teaching at NYU out there. I have another student who went through our program and she's currently living in San Francisco and her story is pretty funny because she is a complete IT geek to (laughs) like to the next level but she loved ballet so her family was shocked they're like we never thought that she would (laughs) be interested in something like this and she's teaching at the university level as well and she's a freelance professional dancer and her name is Rachel and she's pretty much all over the place so we've had a lot of things like that happen we've had a couple of boys go through our program who danced with um, Canada National Ballet um, guest appeared with ABT in their second company. We've had students go on to dance with the Dance Theater of Harlem, Las Vegas Contemporary Ballet, just a lot of different locations. So it's been a very successful program and we've been doing this for 15 years. So yeah. And these are pretty prestigious companies that you're Oh my goodness, these are like companies I idolize. So when they reach out and tell me, guess where I'm going or what I'm doing, I'm just sitting here like what are you what I mean I know you're good but what (laughs) so it's just it's amazing and it kind of gives you that pride that mama bear pride like yes okay you go I hate to see you go because I'll miss you and you've been here since you were little and I've seen all of the ups and downs but please get out of here this is what it was for I want you to go but oh I'll miss you so much but go go live your life make us proud so yeah (laughs) Now, most dance students aren't going to go on to have a professional career, but are there skills that they learn in class that translate to other careers? Absolutely. Discipline, for one. Knowing how to balance pressure and the stress as well as different personalities, the highs, the lows, you know, they know what it's like at a very young age and that prepares you for even just any type of career, to be perfectly honest with you. It gives wonderful life skills as far as that is concerned. I know the 10 and 11 year olds, it's kind of funny. I look at them and they have dealt with quite a bit. They, I'm like, wow, they've gone through the pandemic. They have performed alongside some of the top 
performers that have come on to guest star with us. They have performed in small locations, large venues with sold out shows down to maybe three or four people at a small community center. And, and that can be even more intimidating. It than- is. <laughs> I tell people all the time, they're like, wow, you've performed in front of thousands. And I'm like, yeah, they, you, they just blend together. You don't <laughs> get the concept of how large it is. But when you have like under 50 people or even worse, under 10, and they're just sitting there staring at you like, okay, do something entertain me that's the scariest thing in the world (laughs) so yeah so they learn you know how to cope in different aspects and yeah do you think shows like so you think you can dance and dancing with the stars have increased the public's interest in dance Yes, absolutely, it has. I have mixed emotions about shows like that. I was happy that they came out because it shows the other side of dance. And I don't know what it is, but a lot of people just don't respect dance and understand how much hard work that goes into it. So I was excited on that aspect. But then the more I started thinking about it, I said, "Uh oh, we're going to start seeing a lot of people that think they know what dance is and opening a lot of studios and doing different things that maybe they shouldn't be doing and I did notice that that happened across the country that's a little frustrating and I hate to see that but I do love the public interest what do you think makes the Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet and Inland Empire Dance Center different from other companies and schools all of our staff are either currently professional dancers or former professional dancers. All of us are very well-rounded, and that's hard to find. That's very hard to find under one roof. We're also a very large family. I have students as well as former instructors that I could not see for years. I just had one stop in last week. I was in the studio cleaning up. I have not seen her in three years. She moved out of state for college, and she was in town, and she stopped by, and it was just the nicest surprise. So having that family feeling and that atmosphere that's definitely one and also on the professional end you know it's rare that you have under one roof that many dance artists a friend sent me a link the other day an excerpt from a memoir that was written by a principal dancer at new york city ballet and she was talking about the nutcracker Mm -hmm. and if you've only seen one ballet in your entire life, it's probably been the Nutcracker. It's more than likely been the Nutcracker, yes. <laughs> and in the Nutcracker, the first act is dedicated to storyline and narrative and mostly setting things up for the second act, which is where the real dancing happens. And they right. do that by way of a series of divertissements. Right. And so there's the, the Russian dance and the Merlitons and the Chinese and the Spanish dancers and the Arabian dancers. And this dancer was writing about the Chinese divertisement in particular Mm -hmm. and she was saying there's some problematic stereotypes in here and I remember sitting in the audience for the Nutcracker and I danced as a child so I I was kind of seeing it with different eyes when I was watching this performance a couple years ago and I'm looking at the costumes and the hairpiece that involves this long black braided for the male dancer and I just thought this is problematic and Right, right. I think that's a lot what this particular dancer from New York City Ballet was writing about and kind of discussing how can we make ballet a more 
inclusive environment that doesn't perpetuate all of these stereotypes, but yet still hold on to the traditions that have made it stand the test of time the way that it has? Ooh, I love this question. I just went off on a tirade about this. This is great. Yes. I think that we can get away from it by doing what I do. I purposely will go for opposite. And what I mean by that, as far as like the party scene, I love party scene. It's so chaotic. It's so funny. That's where you have the adults and the kids get to just have a great time. I will purposely take the little blonde girl and say, okay, your mommy is the Asian lady. And hey, check this out. And your dad is maybe the African-American guy. So I purposely will do that so that way when the curtain opens and everyone sees it it completely just is like wow okay this is okay this is fine this is what we see every day this is how it is and then when we go into the meteor part of the the ballet and Chinese is prime example oh my goodness it is so problematic just across the board for me I wanted to do something different and so what we do is we just keep the cast very diverse we keep away from doing stereotypical things that we typically will see as far as with like the costuming gestures and we just keep it about the dance it's choreographed to the music it's not choreographed to what you think you know something something would happen in China it's a fairy tale so it's funny when people try to argue with me about that they're like oh but this is what we've always done and this is how it is and I'm like it's a fairy tale it's tea that has come to life and is dancing. I think you're fine. <laughs> we not do certain things. So, and a lot of it can get really, really, really bad. I know a lot of the European companies, they still have some dancers that actually perform in blackface as soon as 2019. And... Mm. It's horrifying to see. It's very uncomfortable. But the only thing we can do is move past that and keep it moving. Just go forward. We don't have to do certain things. We don't have to do that. It's like, why are we doing this? Please stop. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to do this. (laughs) So I think if we just stick to the music and stick to the movement, the rest will just fall into place. It will happen and just worry about that. And then we were not offending anyone. So speaking of performances, tell us about the Inland Empire Dance Festival that you have coming up this weekend. I'm sure, first of all, it goes without saying that your dancers must be so excited to be performing again. They are over the moon with excitement. I'm excited. I'm not even performing, and I feel like I am. I'm like a nervous wreck. I'm like, oh, my God, are you guys okay? They're like, yes, calm down. I'm like, okay, are we good? We're sure. Yes, we're all so very excited. This is actually our second annual dance festival. The first one, it just happened over a conversation with myself and one of my dear friends. And we were just talking about how many talented people that we know and how we should all collaborate and get together and do something one day. And it was literally like the light bulb moment, like, ding, oh, you know what? We're onto something here. So I reached out to the most talented people within that I could think of, and they all happened to be friends. And so I, I told them, I said, yeah, just put something together, whatever you would like to showcase, and we'll go from there. There's no, you know, no restrictions. I want everybody's artistic freedom to come out and 
just shine. So we did that. It was much smaller and it was wonderful. So we were actually planning to go larger in 2020. And then, you know, everything happened in 2020. We'll we just all had such big plans for 2020. We'll just pretend <laughs> that we jumped from 19 to 21. So now here we are in 21. <laughs> and it just grew. Word got out. And I started reaching out to people, different companies that I like their work or I admired. And I just said, hey, you know, we're doing this. Would you be interested? And the response I received was amazing. Everyone jumped at the opportunity and loved it. And it's a beautiful facility and it's an outdoor stage. So that was a huge plus. COVID restrictions are going to be in place. There's social distancing. It's outdoors. It's just amazing. And we're all so excited. It takes place at Ukaipa Performing Arts Center, and yes. it's not just performances. You're going to have workshops and vendors. And yes, it's it's wonderful. Like I said, it grew. We're <laughs> definitely going to have a variety of different performances. There there will be something for everyone. During the day, we do have vendors who will be outdoors, and they you know we have food vendors and just miscellaneous things going on. And during this time, we have workshops with Kenneth Walker and Maura Town. In and they will be doing contemporary ballet as well as modern workshops. And this will be at the outdoor stage as well. So it's pretty awesome for who, anyone who's taking the workshop because you'll be actually on the stage that you'll see these amazing performers taking just, you know, a few hours after your workshop. So we're trying to make it very inclusive for everyone. Yeah, so that's what's going on. Immediately after the workshops, we have the main performances and in, in addition to the live performances we also have dance films we have some films that were submitted and will be premiered at our event very cool and do you have to have a dance background to participate in the workshops absolutely not absolutely not we are just so excited to offer and share with everyone i know things that have happened in the past with workshops, I've noticed that parents tend to kind of sit in and watch and they're just curious how things work. And, you know, a workshop is completely different than just, you know, like a random Thursday afternoon <laughs> class or something. So a lot of information happens within the workshop and it's a lot of fun and you get to meet people in different levels. So I think it would be great for everyone to just stop in and see what's happening with this. And what safety precautions are you taking in terms of COVID? The theater has been awesome with that, actually. They are putting the seats in pods. So there will be pod seating and the seats are a certain amount of feet apart. I don't want to say how many because I'm not sure what they did for the theater, but I know it fits with the San Bernardino County standards. So they're still doing that. We are requesting masks to be worn um, and you know, just keep your distance from everyone. And that's pretty much about it that we can do for, you know, the guests that are coming and it is outdoors. As far as all of the performers and the dancers, everyone is vaccinated. Everyone will be socially distanced and still wearing masks backstage, even in the green room. And oh, I also have hand sanitizer all over the place, which I think I ha I should like purchase stock in that or something. So <laughs> I hope that that's something that continues long after COVID is over. Oh, this was amazing for me because I always had hand sanitizer anyways, and I always hated crowds because I'm always scared that I'm going to catch some kind of weird virus. So when this happened, I was prepared. I'm like, oh, okay, bring it. I've got this. We I, I've been doing this anyway, so this works out for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and tell us about cost and how to get tickets. Well, the cost is $25 if you would like to see the shows, general admission if you would like to see the show, as well as attend our uh, workshops. It is $35. Tickets are purchased through Ticketmaster. You can visit danceie.com, and there is a link that takes you to our page on Ticketmaster. You can also purchase at Ukaipa Performing Arts Center the day of the show or even leading up to the show. Their box office is open Tuesday through Saturday. I've been speaking with Jamie Sachs, founding artistic director and president of the Inland Empire Contemporary Ballet. They are hosting the Inland Empire Dance Festival this Saturday, August 14th at Ukaipa Performing Arts Center. Is there anything else you want us to know? Thank you so much. I look forward to showcasing this with you. This is going to be amazing. I've seen a few of the films. I have gone to a few of the Zoom meetings just to see what everyone is doing. And this is a treat. The performing arts, especially dance, COVID did not stop us. And I feel like we have come back even stronger. The pandemic has been rough, but the artistry that has come from it is just amazing. And I'm so honored that everyone's coming here to the Inland Empire to share with us. Thank you so much for talking with us today. I would say the word that dancers say to each other to wish each other good luck because they believe that saying good Mm -hmm. luck is actually bad luck. Yes. I can't say that (laughs) word on the radio, though. So just know that the sentiment is there. Thank you so much. (laughs) And back at you. (laughs) T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.